What's up, everybody? Welcome to our podcast, Couldn't Make This Up If I Tried. I'm La Chancla. And this is Yessi. We are two first-gen Latinas. Chismeando about mental health and wellness. Keeping it lighthearted while, while keeping, keeping it real. On this episode, chit-chat with us about mothers, motherhood, and mental health, as well as the challenges of being a first-generation Mexican-American woman and the challenges of finding a therapist that gets us. Buenos dias. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. Yesterday was that one holiday. That, that we should not speak about. <laughs> my air quotes. I'm like, my air quotes. <laughs> I'm like, nobody can see our air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> we stayed up really late at my house yesterday. I think it's the latest I've stayed up in a long time. I want to say yeah. I went to bed at two in the morning. Oh, Wow. I cannot stay past two anymore, girl. It's just, Me either. Mm. I was like, I wasn't even at the club or anything. Like, what is <laughs> I know. Our days are looking a lot more different, right? Like, versus before it was like 1 or 2 a.m. You're still in the club. You're like, yeah. And now you're like, I'm in my PJs at 1 or 2 a.m. Or already in bed. <laughs> yeah. We were watching home videos. So, oh, you know. Nice. Yeah. It was oh, like yeah. one after the other. I saw you posted something maybe about a cousin or, or something. <laughs> My nephew. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you have a good time with your family? We did. It was really just like my immediate family. We had dinner. Didn't have turkey because we usually, I feel like it's like a tradition thing. But mm-hmm. we didn't. We just ate food here, hung out, and it was cool. What about you? Yeah, um, yeah we didn't have turkey. Um, I think, you know, for the four of us, it would be a lot. And I, I don't think... I think my mom and and me, or actually all of us actually, are probably not fans of, of turkey. I just don't like the taste of it. Uh, yeah. It's like too dry sometimes. And I know everybody has their own tricks to make it like nice and juicy, but like not us. Like we, we decided mm-hmm. to just like do ribs from Costco. And then I, I basically cooked yesterday. I know. I was like, what? Oh, um, so I made mashed potatoes. I made pesto pasta, pesto from scratch. Um, and all right, and uh, on that salad that was really really good, and yeah, we just like sat there and gathered and ate and just watched like a lot of old movies and caught up with The Mandalorian. Finally, all caught <laughs> up with with all the episodes. I'm waiting for today, I think today the next one that drops. Uh, so it's very exciting, so it's just very chill. It's it, just what we needed, you know. It, <clears throat> it kind of sucked that we were not able to be with like all of our family members. Uh, but I'm glad that we were able to just at least the four of us be together and and just, you know, have a good time. So it was good. Oh, and my dad was karaoke. You know, my dad loves to sing. <laughs> so so good at it. Your family yeah. is so good at that. Y cada ratito, me salió bien, ¿verdad? Me salió bien. <laughs> I was like, sure that. <laughs> sure that. But you, you're, you're great. <laughs> That's but so anyway. Funny. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I know you were no, just going to talk. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I thought you were going to um, introduce somebody. I was. Yeah. So, you know, as we like to, we like to invite our friends and family and, and people that, you know, we look up to and that they're amazing at everything that they do. So this time we decided to invite our friend Estela or a lot of people call her Estella. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because you had, well, you don't even have a double L in your name. Why no. You? 
yeah so a lot of my co but you know a lot of people not just co-workers a lot of people just call her Estella but That's her name true. is Estela mm-hmm. um and I'll just uh, pass the mic on to her so she can introduce herself all right hi uh, thanks for having me ladies um this is very I'm kind of nervous <laughs> But I'm very excited to be talking about motherhood and self-care and mental and mental health um, with that. So thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, she's also one of her coworkers. She's also an amazing friend. She's in our Comadreando Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, yeah, um, so. Yeah. And, and, say, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Um, I know Sandra and Jesse from for working with them um, in a high school setting. Do they know where you guys work at? And yeah, not like um, specifically, but they know. Where. Sure, sure, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm a school. I'm a high school counselor, um, and so that's how we know them. And we are such a great team, helping a bunch of um, amazing youth, first generation youth, like ourselves actually so it's um it's really inspiring work yeah and she also has a beautiful family uh I like do <laughs> really really amazing kids and uh you know they're they're just like always so fun to talk to uh, they're just a great family overall <laughs> thanks great yeah. little humans they're great a humans. lot of they're a lot of fun yeah it's not yeah, always so- that easy though <laughs> Yeah, I, I, right. I can't imagine. And I mean, like, I don't have kids. So and I, I, I love to look at um, other people and, uh, you know, like how they're raising their kids. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I think we were all raised like very differently. And I feel like mm-hmm. we have had conversations about like our upgrade upbringings. Um, and a lot mm-hmm. of things are the same. And a lot of things are pretty uh, uh Different. Sorry, I was trying to think of the word. My goodness. <laughs> in the morning, I haven't had coffee. I only have chocolate caliente de Guerrero. <laughs> yeah. Um. I know. Well, my dad like makes this chocolate de agua de Guerrero. Uh, <clears throat> so he, uh, yeah, it's just like basically you don't put milk. It's just like all water, like hot water, yeah. and then they have like their kind of like powdered cocoa. And then mm-hmm. you just put it in there. And it's very traditional how they just like drink it over there in, in his town in Guerrero. And so he was really excited this morning to make chocolate de Guerrero. And and then I was like, coffee or chocolate? And I was like, I'll do chocolate because, yeah. you know, he feels like, well, you guys don't want to have anything that I make. So then mm-hmm. like, I like, I'm in my second mug of like the chocolate de Guerrero. And he was like pretty happy about it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Supporting my dad here. Yes, that's important. I was going to say, dads are going to have to be another conversation. (laughs) You know, actually, I was talking to my dad this morning about the pod because I was like, oh, I got to go. And then like, uh, because we're going to record today this morning. And he's like, ¿Qué es eso? And then like, the easiest way, I guess, that I could explain what a pod was, le dije que era como un radio, like donde puedes hablar and like different people would listen to you. He was all about it. He was like, can I be a guest? (laughs) He's like, I have a lot to say. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He's fun. He's a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, What a a uh, wonderful spirit your dad is. 
I know. And my mom was like, I don't know. And I'm like, mom, it's it's okay. I'm sure dad will do all the talking. All the talking. <laughs> you could just take a back seat and he will be the driver. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. But anyway, sorry. It, it totally just took us in a different direction. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. Um, but yeah, you know, we were just like talking about like our upbringings. And um, I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about like yourself and your upbringing? Like where are you from? Because you're from Guerrero too, right? Claro, yeah, I am from Guerrero, so that's why I'm like, yo quiero, cafe, yo quiero chocolate de Guerrero. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, first, so I came to the States when I was about six years old, um, and growing up, you know, uh, I'm sure you guys have similar experiences. You grow up, like, literally in two cultures and navigating two cultures and how, like, code switching constantly when you're at school and around you know, your white peers. And then when you're at home and like cultural expectations, um, it was really hard. And for some reason, I thought that I, that everybody did that. <laughs> and then I grew up and only, you know, only people who are bicultural do that, you know? Um, and so that was hard. I had a lot of like white friends growing up too, because I grew up in a community which was predominantly white. Um, and like comparing like her household functions to mine was completely different. Um, my mom was, had super high expectations of me, que le ayudara yo en la cocina, que le ayudara yo con el labor de la casa. And for my friend, um, she didn't really have to do any of that. She had her, her chores, but it was like, take out the garbage, <laughs> you know? Um, and it was super just different. And, um, you know, I was a quiet kid, so I was more of an observer and just everything started to click when I was older, like in high school. Um, and just sitting with what that meant for me. Um, my parents were very into, tienes que ir a estudiar, tienes que ir al colegio. Um, but then as I got closer to finishing high school, they would start saying, Ni creas que te vas a salir de la casa, ni creas que te vas a ir, porque tienes 18 años no, no significa que te vas a ir a vivir a otro lugar sin tus papás. And I was like, okay, well, I want to respect my parents, but they're telling me that I have to go to school, but at the same time, they're telling me not to move out. And I'm in a rural town. There wasn't even a community college there. So then I'm like, well, I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. Um, I had to... <clears throat> fight almost for what I wanted in a very safe way with my parents and when I mean fight it wasn't combative it wasn't like tirándole cosas en la cara I was just like very gentle and explaining to them that this was important for me to go and study and do my thing and it was really hard for my mom especially I think especially because I'm a girl too you know because there's a lot of sexism I became a mom when I was in my young 20s um, and then navigating that whole idea of like what kind of mom do I want to be you know like asking myself really genuinely like what kind of mother <laughs> do I want to be um, for my kids and I know I, I knew I didn't want to be like my mom because there's things about my mom's parenting style that I really love and it really worked for her 
Um, but I knew that I didn't want that for my kids. Um, and same with my dad, you know, I think my dad used a lot of like reverse psychology, like, Ay, no puedes hacer esto. so then I think he thought he would be like, I would say like, oh, just watch me, I'll do it. But it was more like, well, I can't do it so much because my dad said I can't do it, you know, and it had to do with everything like school related to school related to like my my accomplishment, my goals and stuff like that. Um, and I don't think it came from a, a bad place. I just think it made it harder for me um, to realize that what he was trying to do. So I wanted to be very intentional with parenting and things like that. You, you brought up a lot of good points, right? I think um, from the upbringing, uh, like I think one of the things that you mentioned, like seeing uh, the two different cultures as you were mm-hmm. submerging yourself in, in, the, in the mainstream culture, right? Like mm-hmm. much of the Anglo culture. Um, mm-hmm. And then seeing the differences between your friend's household and your household, you know, and the things that you, know, you were talking about, like the chores piece, right? I was, I was laughing at that in my, in my head because I was like, oh my God. I remember, uh, you know, like, cause I grew up in Mexico, um, and moved here when I was 11. Um, and I remember seeing all the shows on TV, like seven heaven, like French Prince of Bel-Air, like all those shows, <laughs> right? Like that we grew up with in Spanish. Right. And then I remember like a lot of those shows talked about like, um, doing chores and getting an allowance for doing those chores oh, yeah. or like you would get paid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember that I once like brought it up to my parents where I was like, <laughs> okay, I want to do the dishes. I want to do this, but I want to get paid. <laughs> and they looked at me like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is something you do. You don't get paid for this, right? This is an expectation. You know, and now that you're saying that, like, <laughs> I've even, I've even thought about like, should I pay my kids for their chores? Because I have two examples, right? I have like what I grew up with, like expectations just to do. Mm-hmm. And then like this um, different culture that is like, I pay my kids for their chores, right? So then I'm like, well, do I pay my kids? I don't pay my kids for their chores. Let me just say that right now. Because um, the way I run my house is like, we're all a team. So I'm not, I'm not going to be doing everything for my kids, we all have a role. We're all this family system. Um, and if we were playing like a sport, everybody has a role in that sport, right? Um, and I use soccer a lot <laughs> when I explain it to my kids because tienes el portero, you have the forward, you know, you have all these players that are super important to your game. And um, without one of the players, the game becomes really hard. Right. If you don't have a portero, it's going to be hard to block, you know, to have people from scoring. And um, I tell that to my kids all the time. I'm like, we're one team. We all help. Um, and on on either Saturday or Sunday, it's usually Saturdays. We do a, what I call a flash clean. So everybody picks a task in the house and we just spend like 10 to 15 minutes cleaning that item up, whether it's like the kitchen table or one kid is vacuuming um and I'm like loading the dishwasher whatever it is the house like in 15 minutes and I put on a timer because usually nobody likes to clean right like we don't like to clean um so once that timer goes off we're like okay we assess and we're like can we do another like 10 minutes and you know I'm like let's just finish our task whatever task that they picked they finish and then um that's how we do it but yeah, that whole getting paid situation, I did guilty 
just ponder it, you know, because again, I'm, I'm really focused on like, again, it's navigating two worlds, right? Because as a brown mama, you know, I have to make sure that they're growing up with some of the values that I really keep dear to my heart, values that are important that I want them to have, but also not everything, you know, I guess sitting with that and making the right choice and being like, how, what kind of kid do I want to raise? Man, when Great. I think about it and when I say it out loud, it's like, it's so much responsibility to raise a human, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I was just thinking that too. Uh, and again, I don't have any kids. So I really, uh, you know, like everything that I, that I say sometimes is like things that, you know, like on the other side as a mental health provider, uh, you know, like working with families that are going through struggles with their kids or things that I've learned in school or things that I've seen, you know, with family members or whatnot. So again, I'm not like an expert on, on children. I know because like usually like when families would come to me like, I need help with this. And normally the question would be like, do you have any kids? Because I think like people wanted to make sure that I was going to understand where they were coming from and the struggle mm-hmm. that they were having. Um, and, you know, like I remember bringing it to my supervisor once, um, when I was like doing therapy and I was like, Hey, um, I'm working with all these families and all these families are coming up and asking questions in regards to whether I have kids or not in, in therapy. Like you could disclose some information, but you don't want to disclose all your information about yourself. Right. Because like it sometimes it has nothing to do with the therapeutic, um, uh, mm-hmm. relationship with your client. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when working, I think with the Latino culture or like maybe, maybe like other cultures too, that like, like value family uh, as high as we do. It's like with the Latino culture, my supervisor is like, well, like it might be helpful for them to know that, yes, you do not have children. However, you have had experience growing up in like the two different cultures, right? Like you're growing up here in the United States and you're acculturating and like, you could talk about like the struggles that you've had, but you don't have to go in depth with those struggles. Right. It's more of like, I I can understand like maybe where your kid is coming from, or I can understand maybe why your kid is behaving that way. And you could approach it that way. And I was like, Oh, I guess that makes sense. But even like when you were talking about like, you know, like your family expectations and, and you're, and you were growing up also like in two different cultures, you know, like Sandra and I, and, and like, you know, like all the friends that we've invited or we talked to, um, you know, growing up in two different cultures is extremely difficult. Um, it's mm-hmm. something that you really can't explain to someone else. Cause it's, it's like kind of like you have to sort of like live that experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you're growing up, like trying to uphold your own traditions, your cultural values, like all those things that, that your family gives to you. And then at the same time, you're also trying to uh, fit into the mold of what the mainstream culture is, is asking you to do, I guess, in some ways Mm -hmm. to fit in and and to some sort of mold. And I have my air quotations (laughs) because, you know, like, I think it, it is what, um, it's, it's, I guess it's not super expected, but it's like, in some ways, it's kind of like the thing that's not being said, you need to acculturate, you know, to be part of, of this mm-hmm. country, I guess you could say. Uh, and I've always struggled with that. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. I, I remember growing up and I don't know, like maybe Sandra Nistela, but it sounds like from, I know the conversations that we've had, we've struggled with that growing up, right? Like mm-hmm. how do you still uphold your own values, your own beliefs, and still try to uh, uphold the ones from where you're living or like the country mm-hmm. that you're at. Um, and it's like kind of like bridging that gap, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's always like, 
you know, like it, it causes some anger. It, it causes definitely a lot of confusion. Uh, it makes you like really like question a lot of things uh, about yourself, your values, like all those things, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even like when you were mentioning like your family wanted you to go to college, right? Education was a priority, yet like they were having an issue, uh, not an issue, but like they were struggling with the fact like, I don't want to let her go. And part of it, it was like, I'm worried of what might happen to her if she's mm-hmm. not with me, right? Let me mean, they were not saying it. But that was yeah. like kind of like the behind thing of like, I'm worried that something bad might happen to Stella. I'm not going to be there to support yeah. her. I'm not going to be there to make sure that she's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a lot of the things that our family struggle with. Um, so I, yeah, I was, that resonated with me a lot from right. what you were sharing. Yeah. It's great that you're bringing that up, that concern for parents. I've read a lot of academic journals on, why Latinos don't pursue college in one of those is really the family system. We're just so used to being with, with each other. We have, that's, I think that's something that I really appreciate about our culture is just our bond for each other. Like we're very familial, you know, Uh, we like to be in our family unit unit, but that also sometimes that holds some kids back from going and pursuing their academic goals um or their career goals I should say um and I always you know a long time ago I'm sure everybody here knows Selena um Quintanilla not the new Selena the <laughs> Selena Quintanilla okay um not Gomez <laughs> yeah not Gomez so if you if you guys don't know Selena Quintanilla please use your google <laughs> search you're and like there's Selena and then there's Selena. So yeah. we're talking about Selena. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, her, in the movie, her dad said something that really just, I come back to all the time. And it's like, you can't be Mexican enough to fit in with the Mexicans. And and you can't be American enough to fit in with the Americans. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, yes, somebody gets it, right? Because you're always navigating that space. Base and it doesn't change when you're a parent, right? Yeah. Um, so when I had my first baby, I did, I went, I read a lot of parenting books for one, because I'm like, man, I have a little person in my care. I don't want to mess this up, you know? Um, so I did read parenting books. Um, and what I tell people about that, because they're they're always like, oh, parenting books suck or, you know, whatever. Um, everybody has their own opinions about that. But it's like, if I find one thing that I like about a parenting book, then I use it. If I'm just like, this would never work for me, I'm not going to use it you know, then you're still learning how um, to be with a new personality, right? Because I think in our culture, a lot of times we think we own our kids, like they're ours, like they're our, they're our, they're, they're ours, but sonomas, um, they're, they're their own person, their own being. Um, at least that's how I experienced my childhood. I was like, I was like, la hija de mi mamá. So it was never just like, soy Estela, you know? Um, and that was hard because when you talk to kids, you talk to them, well, I, I, I tried to talk to my kids with respect and care 
um, just like any other human being on this earth. And I feel like sometimes growing up, our parents nomás nos ven como like theirs, you know? I don't know if it, I'm coming across. Um, okay, clear. So I really, and I read that in a book once and I'm like, that's so true. Like, this is my daughter, but at the same time, I'm not going to keep her. She's not mine to keep. She's just mine. Like, we have this life, like a journey together, you know? She's going to teach me things. And my kids teach me things all the time. And you and we as parents, we have to acknowledge that, right? Um, that our kids, even, even when they're little, they're still teaching us something. Um, and I really respect that, I think, from for my little humans. And just and I like I said, I picked that up from a parenting book. I've read other stuff that I'm like, what was this person thinking when they wrote this book? So I don't take everything and I'm really open to parenting styles. And um when my daughter was little, I, I'll never forget this. And I think it's traumatizing in a way that there needs to be a lot of improvement in our in parenting styles for our Latinx or Latino community. Um, they said, you parent like a white person. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, are you calling me white? Like, what, what do you, like, I don't even know how to take that in. They just began to list all the things that I did that was new to them. Like, oh, you don't let your kid have any sugar. You monitor their screen time. You talk to them a certain way. Um, because in best like, Ay, ya vete para fuera, o algo, you know, just talking to them harshly. I'm like, okay, you have two more minutes and then you have to go play outside or, you know, find something to do um, in a very respectful way. Now, I'm not saying that I never lose it with my kids because that would be a lie. I do lose it with my kids, okay? <laughs> I lose my patience. I'm a parent. I'm human. Pasa, you guys, pasa. Um, but I'm saying for the most part, I try to talk to them with respect and care. And um, so when she said that, I sat with that for a moment and I, I didn't even know how to respond, right? I didn't know. And this this is the, I used to monitor like what my daughter watched. It Was it age appropriate? Was it da, 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 da? Anyway, I did all of that, right? And I think, cause I didn't respond to her. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to take it. And I think, um, I realized later that she'd let her four-year-old watch white chicks. Now we were talking about that. And I'm like, when you are four, that's not an appropriate movie. What? Don't four-year-olds watch white chicks? I was kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure there is some out there. So then I'm just like, oh, okay. On her end, she was trying to, I guess, bring awareness to her kiddo. Like she said that she grew up very sheltered. So she wanted to kind of bring awareness and I'm just kind of like what kind of awareness do you want to bring like just being very intentional right like what kind of awareness do you want to bring to your kiddo at four you know is it content like movies like that is it you know what is it that you're trying to like uh accomplish I guess so in short parenting is also just a very when a Latino when you're Latina especially because I still have my parents around they're always also, they also judge me, you know, on how I parent. Um, they're like, ay, ¿por qué no más no la, por qué no más no la, este, le das una nalgada? 
o por qué no le haces esto? And I'm just like, well, because I'm, I'm trying something different, you know? And sometimes, like, I want to be like, okay, le voy a dar una nalgada. But then I remember, like, am I getting my point across or am I just hurting them, right? And being able to stop myself from dándoles nalgadas, then sometimes it's really hard, you guys. <laughs> but but I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't spank my kids. I try not to, you know, I'm not saying that that's bad either. For some people it works. For my oldest, I remember I tried spanking her once and she didn't give, she didn't even care. She was like, whatever. I'm happy go lucky. Like, no le funcionó, you know? So, um, just kidding. I'm like, yeah, right. Me. And so I was like, pues no le llegó al corazón. ¿Qué le voy a hacer? So anyway, I learned that taking her toys away was even um, tougher than getting a spanking. Right. And I think you brought up a really good point. I mean, uh, we grew up in the chancla culture, in like el cinturón, whatever you find, <laughs> you know, like where we are, um, like, you know, in some ways, like trying to call the attention, I'm sure, to the kids. Um, like, you know, and I don't know, Sandra, how it was for you growing up, but um, I remember like my dad, um, when he was younger, um, his mom, she wasn't like abusive, but she definitely tenía mano dura, you know, like, so like, anything that that wouldn't get done correctly she would punish him by like hitting him or like like really punishing him in like really kind of like really harsh ways um and I remember like hearing my dad as I was growing up like he didn't want to repeat the cycle right he didn't want to redo it with us so um he would threaten a lot or whatever but he would never do it um and if he did it was just like a little tap where it was just like small enough where it wouldn't even hurt Um, because I think he would always remember that, like, I don't want to repeat the cycle. I don't want to do or feel, I want one of my daughters to feel the way that I felt when I was younger. So I think that like, you brought up a good point. Like, I think parenting is always evolving, right? I think there's going to be things that are going to work for, for someone that may not work for the other parent, right? And, and I think you kind of have to find what is the right way for you to parent your kid, right? Because um, I think, again, like, a lot of people pick up from like, I don't want to repeat the cycle of like that I had when I was a child or I don't want, you know, if I become a parent, I don't want a parent that way. I mean, I know that I always think about like, oh, if I ever have kids, I wouldn't do like, I would do things like differently than what my parents did. Not like everything, right? Because I mean, there's definitely mm -hmm. things that I really appreciate about my parents mm -hmm. and how amazing they are and, and flexible in so many ways. Uh, but that there's other things where I'm like, oh, I, I don't think I would do that. You know, like, um, So, and I think that's what I'm saying. Like, it's always evolving. Like, there's always like new ideas that come, like new things that may work for you, new things that, that you see in other parents that you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I, I would love to, to, like, if I have a kid for me, like, I would love to raise my kid that way, or I would implement mm -hmm. that. Um, and like, even like in the therapeutic side, when I talk to parents, uh, especially like when I would talk to Latinx parents, because I work with a lot of younger kids it was always a conversation of like, oh, you know, like my kids is misbehaving and I've tried all these things and they're not working out. What should I do? Um, and, you know, some parents were open to like, okay, like let's look into, I know, like creating a job chart, you know, like not necessarily where they're getting paid, 
but like you know like anytime they do something you put a little sticker and like oh you look once you get like a whole bunch of this like little stickers then you get to pick an activity that's fun for you that you want to try on Friday and that was like an incentive to get get kids like you want to reward them with positive things uh like positive feedback so then they're like oh this is something that I should be doing all the time anyway you know because anytime I do something like this it shows uh like a re- uh, positive reward. And if it, even if they didn't ma- meet that, you wouldn't punish them for that, right? Like you would be like, okay, like, look, you got like so close. Let's try like next week. But, you know, like for now, you could pick this other activity or re- or I'm going to pick the activity versus you picking the activity. And again, it's like different things that you could try um, and and not everything that was suggested, like was successful, obviously, for some families. Sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't. Um, so I think you definitely brought up a lot of good points. I've just been like steady taking everything in, um, and thinking you just bringing up a lot of things. I think about, like you were saying, we all had similar experiences in that we were like the first, you know, the first of our kind in our family. And so like when Estela talks a lot about it, or talked about being in one culture and the next, I just always like go back to the thought of like, maybe that's why we're all so exhausted all the time. <laughs> We've just been working so hard for it's so true. long. <laughs> I'm like that. I think that that's why we're all so tired. Um, I thought a lot about, you know, my upbringing as a daughter, the only daughter in my family, um, because I was just two of us. I didn't grow up with sisters and my brother was younger. So I was older. And how different both of my parents were because I did, I totally did have a first gen experience, but my dad, um, he had been here for a lot, a lot longer than my mom had when she got here and became a mom. Um, so my dad had a few different ideas. And so their parenting styles were totally different. I would say that I don't think I've ever seen my dad in like a very traditional Mexican dad role until like very recently, which has been like really hard to kind of deal with because I, I'm like, I'm like getting to know a father that I didn't grow up with. So a lot of what my dad did when I was younger was just made sure that I knew, you know, like I had power, didn't matter whether I was a girl or whatever it was. Like he always taught me to like use my voice. And I think that now he's kind of like, I don't know if, if he feels like it's working against him or not, but like, I think he, it's that line of like respect. Cause sometimes I always talk about like my brain being or my mouth being faster than my brain. And so sometimes like when I say things, they come out before I had a second to like pause. And so I think, I think a lot about, um, and with you all, I always share like, Oh, I don't know if I want kids. I don't know if I ever want to be a mother, which is why I also like was taking a lot of your information in because I have my own, like, you know, a relationship with my mother that I always think and talk about. But I think now that I'm older, um, I do think about like having kids and what if I want to be a mom. And I think that uh, I'm finding my voice with my mom because a lot of what Estela had said about like Latino parents um, maybe growing or thinking like, oh, you know, son míos, mis hijos, like they are mine. And like just wanting to have this like control right over them because you don't want anything to happen to your kids. You always want to be like there at all times. And I think that that's something that I've struggled with a lot because 
And very recently, I like remember writing about it in my journal, how a lot of my fears, and this goes back to like our very first episode where we talked about what things that scared us. I think that a lot of my fears stem from having had that relationship with my mom where if she wasn't okay with it, I just didn't do it. And even thinking back to my decision of moving away when I was like 22, I just wanted to have like that time to be my own person and be myself and come back. Like now that I'm back here with them, like I see our relationship totally change and I'm able to kind of voice things that I think, um, that I, that I, I don't resent like anything that happened growing up because I knew that they did the best that they could with what they had. And that's also what I'm trying to remind myself of, because if I'm ever a mother, you know, I, I don't want to put my mom in positions that I've put her in. Cause I have to be honest, like very recently, you know, when I talk to her, I think she takes it as yo le estoy reclamando, but it's like, no, I'm just letting you know that like, these are things that may or may not have affected me in this way. And I just want you to know that no matter what the outcome was of that way that you chose to to parent because we're talking about like la chancla culture and el cinto and when i think to my parents i think our dads yesica we joke a lot about it but they are super similar my dad definitely had that same experience where my grandma i've heard stories of her just like you know being this really tough woman and my dad always it was always very vocal about like i don't ever want to go through or want my kids to go through what i went through so he was very like hands off like I was terrified of my dad because he was a very loud like like person when it came to us getting in trouble but he never laid a finger on me like I don't remember my dad ever spanking me he would jokingly do the thing with the cinto you know when they like snap it but it was like more funny than anything um when he did it my mom definitely you know like I gotta say my mom kicked my ass a couple times with la chancla (laughs) and even now you know when I talk to her about that um she she's like yeah but it was because you guys deserved it and I know you know they were doing what they could with what they had and there's one thing that I would always kind of tell her that comes up a lot is that my brother when Estela was talking about like her chores and we all had them right I didn't have a sister to like split chores with so even now that we're older because my brother and I are both back home and so (laughs) it's like we moved away and then we came back and um we're regrouping. That's what we're calling it, my brother and I. <laughs> um, but I noticed that a lot of just being being back with your parents, even as a like Latina mom, I sometimes feel like my mom has a hard time with that grip of like, well, she's mine. I don't care if she's 30 years old. She's still mine, you know? And I'm trying to slowly like talk her through that and just being like, girl, I will never be like my own person. I don't know what I'll be like as a mother if you don't like loosen that grip a little bit. And she's had, I think, like a harder time. And recently we had, which is something that I wanted to talk to us, like ask Estela about was we had a conversation about boundaries. And I think the comment that I made to her because we were talking about just the way that I grew up and um, I, I think I made the comment of, you know what, I think that if my child at any point expresses to me that they feel uncomfortable or don't want to do something and they're very seriously like hey mom like I really don't want to do this because of xyz and they're expressing it because I feel like I tried to do that a couple times but it was very like I guess que tú no sabes yo soy la mamá and da, 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 you know and so then you do you do kind of quiet down and then you're like well that's true it's I'm the kid you know like I have to do what my mom told me to but I told her you know I want to make sure that I listen 
to my to my child's like wants and needs and not to say that I'm going to let them you know run the household but I definitely if somebody if they express like a a very true like feeling of discomfort I don't ever want to discredit that you know and I and I want to make sure that they feel like like they have autonomy you know that maybe I there are things that I'm going to try to help protect them from and like, you know, cause como decían ellos, like todo a su tiempo, but they, sometimes it was like so strict that like, yeah, I became afraid of so many things. And I think that a lot of my fears now as an adult still come from that, like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like college took me forever because I knew that I didn't really want to do it after high school, but they were pushing me to like, you have to do it. But if you want to go, you can't go far. You have to do it here. You know, like Estela was saying. And I did grow up in an area where there were like a couple community colleges. And I don't think I would trade my experience for anything. But whenever I get that like fear in the pit of my stomach to like take the plunge to do something, I talk to like little Sandra, you know, and I remember and I and I remind her, you know, is this you that's afraid of it? Or is it something that you heard, you know, mom or my dad, not so much. My dad was very like, do what you want. But my mom was a boss. You know, and we, I think a lot of, in a lot of Latino households, that's also very true. So I would be like, no, 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 well, I'm afraid that, you know, my mom's not going to, she's going to want to do that. And, or she's not going to want me to do that. So I, I talk to myself a lot now as 30 year old Sandra and just being like, girl, remember all the things that you wanted to do that you didn't do because you were afraid. Like, it's not too late. Just quit, you know, talking yourself out of that. And I just think that I hope that when I'm a parent, that'll translate, you know, and, and I'll just like be able to stop myself when I feel like I'm doing that to my kid, where I feel like, ah, you know, I don't know. There's a lot. You guys give me a lot to think about, but I don't know the boundaries thing with you, especially because I know you have a teenager um, <laughs> and how you deal with that. And she's great. I love, I love your little teenager, all Thanks. your kids. <laughs> Thank you. You know, a lot of the hard parenting is in the early years, like when they're little, right? Um, there was a lot of like correction, a lot of um, redirection and guiding and just patience, a lot of repetitions, a lot of repetitions. Um, so when with boundaries with my teen, I, so that, that's a good, first of all, I do want to recognize what you said about like when parents they hold us really close. And I think that's all the love that they're giving us. They just don't know how to put it into like maybe words and the, the, like the, that's their way of just loving us, you know, um, which, which is sweet, but also it does prevent us from maybe completing our goals or something that we really want to do. Right. It instills fear in us that it does all these things for us. Um, and I think the belief of like seeing if I don't hold them, if I don't try to tell her what to do, even at 30, then no me va a respetar. Maybe there's that fear of like disrespect. Um, but I think that if a kid respects you, they're going to respect you even when they're independent and self-driven and, you know, all these, that whole self thing, right? Um the boundaries thing is a really good question. I don't know how I did it, you guys, but my teenager has like so much trust in me. Like she's told me things that I would never think about telling my mom. 
ever, 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 ever. Like, no. Like, it's because you're um, not like a regular mom. You're a cool mom. (laughs) But I mean, I have really high expectations for her also. And she follows through. Like, a really good example of that was very recently, like last two weeks ago, recently, she, um, she was actually failing French. She's taking French. And yo le pregunto cada semana, ¿cómo te van tus clases? How are you doing? How are your grades? I'm going to get your report card soon. Your, you know, progress report. What am I going to see? Like asking them those questions. What am I going to see? What, what can I expect? Will it be good? Will it be not so good? What do we need to work on? Right. And we say, and I do ask her in a we form because we're still just one team for her, you know, like this is, this is for you. Um, and she's like, oh, everything's great. I'm getting A's and B's. I'm like, oh, great. Like, oh, you know, um, then I get her report card and then I get an email from her French teacher <laughs> and her French teacher said, hey, your kid hasn't done anything. Are you guys wanting to drop this class? And I was like, obviously my first reaction, which she was not in the room, I was like, what in the hell is happening? Like, she just told me that everything was great, did, you know, and of course I'm like heartbroken. Like, I'm like, she just told me that everything was great. Um, and, but instead of having that reaction with her, I approached her and I said, Hey, so I got an email from your French teacher and she was like, Oh, I'm like, yeah. What do you, what do you think she said? Um, that I'm behind. I'm like, yeah, actually she said that you haven't started the class. Like what's going on? you know, cause everything's online right now. And she said, well, yeah, I haven't started because they, French uses a different platform compared to my other classes. And I always forget to log into that platform. And I really don't understand that platform. And this is a kid, she's a little bit anxious. So she has a hard time asking for help. Um, and she's a people pleaser, <laughs> which kind of, She's just always trying to like, yeah, I did it. I did it, you know? So I'm like, okay. But instead of getting upset with her, I was like, let's figure this out together, you know? So that weekend we worked on French all weekend. She's at the table and it was just one of those things where she was afraid to come forward because she was like, I thought I had it under control, but I didn't have it under control. And now I'm really behind and I don't know how to tell you that. But instead of like regañándola, I'm like, okay, so some things are going to change until you're all caught up, right? You know, that time you spend on YouTube, we're going to take it down a notch until you're done. <laughs> yeah, we're going to. So we did all these adjustments. Y sin regañarla, sin corajes, hablando just teniendo una conversation with her. Like she agreed and, and she did her French and... She didn't complain too much, <laughs> um, but she got it done, you know? And I think when I say that parenting is done in the early years, it's because that's the kind of outcome we want, right? I didn't want her to turn around and to be like, well, you know, disrespect me and say, well, F French and I don't want to do, fr-, you know, things like that. Um, and she did talk about like dropping it. And I'm like, I'll support you in your decision to drop French, but just understand that you have to take two more years of a, a foreign language. So you're going to have to start all over. And I was like, or you can wait it out this year because you're almost done with French too. And then you're going to be done. 
And she was like, yeah, that's the better outcome. And I'm like, okay. And just kind of giving her a choice versus like, this is what you're going to do because I said so because I'm your parent and I know better instead of like laying it out for her, you know, like, well, if you say in French, then this happens, you know, um, if you drop it, then you're going to have to take another two years. Is that what you really want? You want to, you know, you want two more years of a foreign language. And so she was like, no, I don't want to do this again. So when you get outcomes like that, I think a lot of the parenting was done in the beginning. Um, so I have a five-year-old and an eight-month-old right now. So all the parenting that I do with my five-year-old will hopefully give me that same parenting relationship when she's 14, 15. I think that's one of the things I like remind myself, right? You are like this woman who's had all these experiences growing up as like a first gen, you know, uh, Mexican American woman. And so I try to remind myself that my mom didn't have yeah. that same experience. She wasn't able to discover or learn. She was always told didn't have choices. Mm-hmm. So I try to offer, I want to, I want to extend as much grace as I can to her and like try when I say things, I try not to like put it completely on her. Cause I know that she didn't know mm-hmm. any better, but like everything yeah. that you said, I think an important part that you said was you took a pause. You were super pissed at the beginning, right? You're like, <laughs> so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, my parenting yeah. is not always perfect. Let me tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. It's not. And there's days where lloras en silencio, but then you mm-hmm. reaccionas, you know? And it's mm-hmm. important to have those reactions away from your kids too. And for them not to see how upset you are. Well, and, and I and I love the way that you did it. I mean, like you recognize like I'm feeling angry and I'm not going to lash out. Uh, right. Because we know that, you know, if you were to lash out, she would have been like, oh, like I'm not going to tell my mom this anymore. Or like, you know, like in her mind, she would be like, it, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel safe to tell her like how like right. what like next time if something like this were to happen. But you still gave her that space of like, you know, like, OK, like. So I just got an email from your teacher. What do you think like that email said, right? And you give her the that time to like really say like, oh, well, let me tell you what your my teacher probably told you kind of like for mm-hmm. her to like voice it in her own words. And mm-hmm. and then you guys come up with the solution. And there's like, like the only negative outcome was like, you're not going to be on YouTube. And, and it's not even super negative. It's kind of like, okay, it makes sense that I, I lost this privilege because I did not mm-hmm. do what I was supposed to do. But it wasn't in a way like you're like punished, like YouTube never, ever in this house, right? Mm-hmm. It was more of like, so you lose a privilege right now. And then once you get caught up, then we revisit and do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and I think that's super important. Like definitely, like I agree with what um, Sandra said. And I think a lot of our family, like, you know, like being like first gen, like, I think a lot of our parents um, didn't really get the, the, the chance to do that, like, and on mm-hmm. their own, right? Their expectations were completely different uh, when they were living back in their hometowns um, and with their families. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, like, we now as first gen, like, we are going through all of that, like, you know, definitely learning a lot from our, our parents, like, how they grew up, like their traditions, their values, all that. And we're also learning how to manage that here uh, with the mainstream culture. Uh, So, and that also, I think like also uh, does something to our mental health, 
right? Um, and like, I mean, I think about it and I, I mean, I've shared that. Before yeah, let's talk guys. about mental health for mamas. <laughs> let's talk about oh You want to talk, talk about, about that? You want to talk about mamas? <laughs> we want to talk about mamas. <laughs> like, I think, um, and again, I, I obviously, again, I keep saying I'm not a mother. I'm not. But, you know, like, I keep thinking of the clients that I served um, and like a lot of my clients that, sometimes would show up with postpartum depression or depression or anxiety and just the effort that it took for them to show up and be there, right? Like to acknowledge like, Hey, something is going on. And a lot of it had to do with parenting too, right? Like a lot of difficulties with like, Hey, I have like this young teen or I have this young kid and and I feel like we're speaking different languages or we're like coded differently because like, I'm saying one thing and my kid is doing completely the opposite uh, and and then trying to marry the two cultures together to be understanding on how to raise their kids um, and hold space for those two cultures. And I think that was always one of the things that that I saw, at least uh, when I was seeing the families and the conversations that we were having. Right. Like not only were they trying to break the intergenerational trauma that they had been part of, but they were also trying to show up for their kids. And like, how do I do that in a way that shows my kids that it's okay to be vulnerable, that it's okay to feel my emotions. I'm human. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be like sad. I'm going to feel this. And how do I say that without them being like, oh, whatever, mom, you're over-exaggerating or whatever, right? Um, So I'm curious for you, how was that for you, you know, even like maybe for for your first kid, like how was that for you just uh, going through all those different emotions? And even now too, like with your beautiful eight month old baby, <laughs> super adorable. Um, oh, you know, what's, what's the process been like for you? How has it impacted your mental health or, or what have you noticed? Yeah. So I first want to um, recognize that I didn't learn about self-care uh, until my master's program, which is weird, right? Um, I don't know if that's just a very like gringo word, (laughs) you know? Um, But I very much understand it now and understand the need for it. Um, Because thinking back to my mom, she didn't have a whole lot of self-care, right? She, that lady doesn't, ella no para. She doesn't know how to stop. She doesn't know how to like take a moment to just relax and be. She, my mom wakes up at 5 a.m. and she's constantly on her feet doing something. Um, it's been so, so, so long since she sat down to watch a TV show. I mean, she will in the evenings here and there to watch the news, but to intentionally be with yourself and give yourself that time to cry or to just be or to process things, I don't think she had that very much. So when I had kids, I didn't see that. I didn't see that self-care piece. So then I didn't have time to process the feeling of being a new mother, the responsibility of caring for another human, but just the dynamics of my house um, and how things and have changed for me that I think um, with my first one, I experienced, I experienced uh, a level of postpartum. Um, but I also think that, and you're not allowed to feel any other emotion when, I, I don't know, in my household, 
we weren't allowed to cry or be sad or anything like that, you know. Si vas a llorar, vete a tu cuarto. Like, that's what my parents would say. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was just my household. I'm sure some listeners could probably relate to that. Um, they didn't want to see that. And growing up, I was a very emotional kid. Um, I remember I went on a walk once because I was tearing up. And I'll never forget this experience because my mom was like, oh, si te fuiste toda llorona para allá. And, and I'm just like, mom, that was like a really good opportunity for you to be like, hey, what's going on in your, what's going on for you? Um, is there something that I can help you with? But instead she was like, Ay, te fuiste toda llorona. Like, I, stop being a, you know, stop being una, um, una llorona. And I was like, okay. So then I stopped crying. I stopped really kind of like feeling that emotion. And so when I had my daughter, I was like, I had them and I didn't know how to deal with that. Um, much less like self-care. I was always like about her, caring for her, grooming her, you know, making sure que estaba bien comida, bañada, cambiada. Like, no quiero, um, if your kid, I feel like in the Latino culture, if your kid is todo fodongo, you know, or like mugroso, you're so judged by your community. Ah, did you see Estela andaba con su niña y bien toda bien mugrosa and everything. And so... I remember that my mother-in-law at the time said, let her be a kid, let her be dirty. And I was like, what? Um, my suegra era, era una Americana, you know? And so then I was like, I can't do that. Like it, it totally stopped me in my tracks and it made me process for a little bit. And I'm like, yeah. She's having so much fun playing with dirt and all this. Why am I going to stop that? You know, she was like exploring her world. And so not to say que la descuide, but there was more opportunities for her to play and to get dirty and to explore, right? Um, that's how kids learn by exploring and eating dirt and stuff. <laughs> um, and so... As time went on, I learned that it didn't always have to be about my kids. You know, um, what about me? I was still, I was still Estela. I was still um, a wife and a friend to people and a partner. My role wasn't just to be a mom. But in that moment, in that first like two years of her life, I forgot that I was a wife, that I was a friend, a sister, and all my time and energy went into my little girl, which, you know, now I see it as different. My husband is so great. He gives me time to be with myself. Like even for this podcast, he took our kids out on a drive so I could be here with you lovely ladies. And that alone is like so peaceful to just have this time. Um, and this is not the only time he's done it, you know. There's other times where he's like, even taking a shower when you're a mom uninterrupted, <laughs> you guys, is like self-care, okay? Uh, because usually I have kids coming in the shower and I'm like, me estoy lavando el pelo, <laughs> go get your dad. <laughs> and so he'll he'll be really good about like keeping them out of the bathroom, you know. Um, or if I'm like, yeah, he's just... He's really great and he recognizes when I need, a, a, you know, 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be like a three hour like facial, although that would be really nice. But sometimes there's no time for that. But just giving yourself permission to be by yourself in a space 
where you can either process your emotion, your thoughts. It's so important. And I think our moms didn't really have that. At least it was true for me. I don't know about for you ladies. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think uh, my mom was ever by herself. <laughs> I think there was always like us uh, with her or my dad with her. And even now, uh, you know, like my parents can't go out on their own by themselves. Like mm-hmm. they're always like, vamonos, vamonos aquí, vamonos allá. And then for me, it's the complete opposite. I'm like, I'm like, if they leave, like when I come visit them and, you know, like I like sometimes I'm like, okay, I need to like step out or go like upstairs and kind of like watch a video, whatever. And I do that for my self care. Right. Cause I know me and I know that I, um, sometimes I have a short fuse. I run in a short fuse and then I'm like, I don't want to say something that's going to be mean. So I'm just going to step away and take care of myself. And then my parents don't do that. And then they, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're always with each other or they're always wanting us to be around or like doing things together. So I think, you know, like we talked to Priscilla a couple episodes ago about like self-care for our parents, right? And one of the things that she mentioned, um, because I I was bringing up that my parents spend a lot of time outside gardening and doing Mm -hmm. like, you know, taking care of their plants. And she's like, well, that is a form of self-care, right? Like they're there with their plants, doing their thing, like disconnected from everything else. And then, you know, like now I notice my parents, like maybe it's not like self-care that they do, but a lot of them do practice community care, right? Like, I mean, like mm-hmm. um, like taking care of others, that's the way that they're taking care of themselves. You know, like they're like, it kind of brings satisfaction. Like if I'm taking care of my family, I'm, you know, I'm taking care of myself because they're happy and I'm happy kind of thing. Or uh, doing little chores uh, for them to just completely disconnect from everything else. And it's just them and that chore, right? Like I always mention, like me, I love washing dishes, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and that's me. Like everybody leaves. I'm just washing dishes. I'm processing my own thoughts, kind of like going through everything that happened that day or that week or whatever. And then once I'm done, I'm like, oh, I'm like super relaxed and I'm ready to mm-hmm. go to my next thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think what you said, like this definitely... Uh, really resonated with me and just thinking about my family and my parents, how they, they parented as well. Or even when you're little and you don't realize, like, like just thinking back to being young and how do you recognize as a child, like my mom needs to take care of herself right now, you know? And You don't. Um, Cause when you're you a don't. kid, you're like selfish, you know, <laughs> you're like, it's me. I'm your kid. It's all like, about me. <laughs> And my ma, mom ma, actually ma. said, yeah, yes. she actually said something the other day about that because I wasn't feeling well. And so I was like out for like two days and I have a puppy. And so she, you know, she calls him my kid. And I, I came back downstairs finally after like feeling better. And um, he was like really excited, but yo andaba like, you know, back and forth getting him things. And she goes, yeah, when you're a mom, you don't get to have sick days. And I was like, I just paused. And I, I kind of, I let her say that because I know that that's something she like wants me to desperately understand. And, and I think that that's where she and I sometimes don't see eye to eye, because I think that when I'm a mom, I'm definitely not going to neglect my kids, but I'm going to remember that, like you were saying, Estela, I'm a person too. I'm a person too, and I'm a person that needs to, you know, how am I going to give my kids my all if I'm not at my best? Mm-hmm. And um, I guess my question to you too is because maybe we might have, I know I have a couple friends that are moms and something that especially in our community, we don't often talk about are things like postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know, 
how would you be able to like recognize it? How, what are ways that we think are like, we could deal with it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that if I think back to women in my life who have had babies, I think I'm like, dang, you know, they were, they probably were going through postpartum depression. I don't know that they ever really made it out you know, of it, but how, how did, how would I have recognized that then knowing what I know now? And there's just really like, no way, you know, but just like normalizing that Mm -hmm. that's something that can happen. Um, so for, I can explain what postpartum depression looked like for me. And then I think, yes, you would be more, uh, more equipped to answer like what, what it looks like. Right. But for me, it was just like an overwhelming emotion, um, about my kids' safety and just everything that I had going on, right? And for me, I thought that was normal because I'm like, I'm just really loving on her. I just really care about her and I just want her to be safe. But then I started to think, like, obviously in the moment, you don't recognize it, right? Until somebody like starts saying things like, well, why wouldn't you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. And you start like processing that, right? Because it's not like, you're in a dark room, you close the blinds. I mean, for some people, it could be like that, right? But for me, I, I woke up every day, I, I was feeling okay, but it was just like, I would get these overwhelming feelings of like desesperación almost and like, like sadness. And I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing a good job taking care of this kid. And I'm, I, I was just always constantly worrying about like her and her safety and how am I going to, do this. Right. And I realized that I had that, um, that I was experiencing some level of postpartum when no la quería dejar sola for one minute. I was very anxious about leaving her anywhere. I like all, like, I remember going on a date with my husband at the time and I was like, can we go back home? Can we go get her? Like, I can't like, no, I wasn't enjoying our time together or when we would go out, all I could do was just talk about her. you know? And I mean, I thought that in my head, it wasn't like, so it wasn't like super apparent, but it was like subtle like that, just very anxious, very, um, very about her, just a lot of worry, like unnecessary worry, right? Because as parents, we have to recognize that we cannot be in our kid's life 24 seven. You just can't, they're going to have experiences without you. Um, and, and, th- and that's okay. And I had to realize that later, you know, and I think it does happen more frequently in our communities. You pretty much hit up on all the symptoms. <laughs> <Honestly>. <laughs> and then, you know, like, and then there's like, you know, like the, the big mood swings that you'll have definitely like a lot of anxiety, like the panic attacks. Um, and then obviously if it lasts more than two days, I mean, not two days, two weeks, then definitely that's a big sign that definitely uh, you're needing a little bit more help and support uh, from a mental health professional, from your doctor, because uh, that's, that's definitely not a normal. And I think obviously like a lot of people, when, when you think about like, oh, well, am I experiencing this? Should I seek professional help? Um, 
definitely like always like if that's a question in your mind uh talk to someone and then just be like hey I'm experiencing this. I'm experiencing that. I think a lot of parents do, do experience like anxiety, obviously, you know, because it's a baby, it's a human being, you're taking care of it. Obviously, you're always going to be freaking out about like, are they breathing? Am I feeding them <laughs> yes. right? And like, you know, like, am I supposed to burp them? Do they poop their pants? What about kisses de rosa? I mean, there's always going to be those anxieties, right? And that's completely normal. But if it is more of like the anxiety that continues and continues and continues and you start feeling that depression symptoms where like you go from like crying all day or like maybe you're still functioning uh, with your depression, but it feels like very heavy, definitely mm-hmm. getting help and support. And then there's also like those mamas that unfortunately, like sometimes when the baby is born, it's like they want nothing to do with the baby. And it's not because they don't love the baby. It's just like, there is like, just like uh, the attachment, like the at the very beginning may not be there. Um, and it's obviously another sign, like where you should seek se- help and support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it looks different for everyone. You're right. It does. I think it, it definitely does look like different. Um, and I'm curious, like, did you ever like get like um, mental health support around that? Or did you reach out for someone or even like later on in life? Did you ever seek out um, supports? Uh, Thank you for asking. Uh, No, I didn't. And I really wish that I would have known about like counseling when I was young, 20s, when I had my first baby, because I totally would have. Um, And I guess I always wanted to. But yes, I was in la cultura. It's like if you go see a therapist or a counselor, you're just, oh, estás loca. Oh, te falta un tornillo. And so I think there was a little bit of fear in that, you know, maybe that's why I pursued counseling. I don't know. Um, but um, definitely wish I would have because I think it would have made my life a little bit better, um, simpler. And to recognize it as normal, you know. Um, but I think a lot of mental health services have been have been more normalized now in the last like what probably 10 years I feel like before that it was still like oh estas loca vas ir a ver a un, a un consejero or whatever um so no I didn't but I wish I would have for sure oh, thank you I, and I think it's important for for people to hear that too right I think a lot of the times is because we don't have the information or there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of stigma around it that you're like I don't want to be labeled as something that I may not feel like Mm -hmm. that you know like uh, I was talking to someone about it recently actually about mental health and how in their community is so stigmatized uh, unfortunately Mm -hmm. not just our community I think definitely a lot of communities um, and I think definitely like if you're seeking help and support um, you know reach out to someone and even then like like a lot of the questions that we get is like well how do I find someone that's the right Mm -hmm. person for me and I think we talked about it Yeah. And I was going to say, I've seen two counselors, actually, they didn't really work out for me because I feel like I do need to find somebody who is like bicultural, who understands, um, because both of my experiences were with um, white women. (laughs) And I know some great white women who are great counselors and everything. I'm not saying that that was wrong, but I think for me personally, somebody who is bicultural would be is some is a counselor that I would need, um, and I haven't been able to find that yet. See, so tell me, where would I go to find somebody? <laughs> well, that's a great question. I was kidding. <laughs> that's a great question. I think um, 
So in as we were preparing for uh, for the episode, uh, one of the things that uh, we wanted to talk about, like we were going to bring Priscilla in to kind of like have her talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about like therapy. How do you find your right therapist? Uh, and then I ran into this account and now I do not remember what account it was, but it was on Instagram. So I'm so sorry. Uh, but <laughs> this person put together a list of resources that you could go and seek out help and support from. And all of this this providers or list that I'm going to uh, read out, uh, they're all uh, intended uh, for BIPOC, the BIPOC community and also for the queer community. Um, so I'm going to just read a couple of, of, uh, of those and then we'll definitely link them in our, um, in our podcast so you guys can uh, go and see for yourselves. And they're all Instagram accounts and also I think they have their websites. Um, so one of them that I love is Inclusive Therapist. Um, and then through Inclusive Therapist, you can find a provider by identity, lived experience, sexuality, and many more other things. Um, and they do have an Instagram and they're always posting like really great content. So a lot of the things that I post on my personal Instagram that have to do with therapy comes from them because they're posting from different um, accounts that they follow as well. There's Therapy Den um, that's sort of like psychologytoday.com. Um, I like psychologytoday.com, but I've also heard like really negative things about psychology mm-hmm. today. So um, definitely if you want to find someone uh, who's inclusive, um, who has like, you know, an identity that you uh, identify with mm-hmm. or something that, that might be important to you, therapy then would be a good place. There is also Violet, which is which is a queer competent healthcare. So you could find uh, by uh by your preference, what you feel comfortable with. Uh, there's Therapy for Latinx, which is also another site that you could go and find a provider by region, by state, by insurance, and they're all uh, identified as Latinx, uh, bilingual, bicultural. And they also have an Instagram page, uh, and they also post like really great content. Um, APISAA uh, for is the Asian Pacific Islander uh, Association um, also has a directory. It's APISAA therapist directory, and it's a, just the health collective, mental health collective, and you can also find providers who identify as Asian Pacific Islanders. Uh, there's also the National Queer and Trans Therapists of Color Network. Uh, as well as the therapy for black men. And they also have an Instagram page with a lot of great content. Cause I think for a lot of our men um, in our communities, a lot of like, there's a lot of stigma too around mental health. And this is a great page uh, to get you started. Um, if you identify as male uh, or an, an, even a, as an, a black uh, man. So therapy for men. And there's also Therapy for Black Girls, uh, which also has a great Instagram account. And I also pull a lot of stuff from there because uh, they are always sharing like really great resources. Uh, there is Melanin Mental Health. Um, and I think that one's run by like a whole bunch of social workers. Uh, and it's really awesome content, really, really good information. Also, I'm always posting stuff from there. And the one that we always talk about, which is Latinx Therapy. Uh, and she also posts like a lot of great content for our communities and a lot of good information. Um, so those are the ones that I do have. Um, I don't know if it's now or Stella, you have an account or not an account, but like you accounts that you follow or things that you want to add on to. 
I think you named a lot of the ones that I usually follow. I don't follow any, so I'm about to go hit the follow page on you those because those sound like amazing resources. Yeah. I will. I usually read a lot of like academic journals and stuff like that for me personally, but I think following, you know, I, I just started like assessing also my life and I'm just thinking like, I do need to see somebody. Actually, I thought about this last week. I, I do need to find a counselor who is by culture just because sometimes even when you have a spouse, like they, they don't always understand everything you're going through. Right. Um, so my husband's not going to relate to everything that I'm going through to, through. And um, it's just, I also don't want to overstress him with all the stuff that I'm processing and somebody who is experienced by culture, cultural can help me process that for, for me too, you know, um, because like I mentioned earlier, I'm not done navigating the two, the two worlds, right? I'm still a Latina in America. I'm a mama now. And so just finding that additional support, I think it's good, right? Um, yeah, so thanks for sharing those. I'm going to follow them. Absolutely. I'm hoping that now the world that we live in, like teletherapy will kind of break the mm-hmm. like regional boundaries and you're able to like find a bilingual bicultural um, therapist that could be you know somewhere else and it could still see you um, because to share like really briefly I've actually struggled with finding a therapist in our area because it really does depend on where you are and I've had um, two different experiences that weren't the best so I'm still on the hunt for a good one because they they it's hard to find one here where we are that's bilingual, bicultural. So I've gone to two that, you know, they they have that on their, you know, resume that they're bilingual, bicultural, but it's like they're they're two or three generations like removed from what we've experienced so it's really hard and then my mom's always like well you have a bunch of therapist friends I'm like girl they can't be my therapist like <laughs> they can't they are great at what they do you know but they have you know their own clients. Like, I don't want them to know my secrets Just yeah kidding. and they do but it's like you know they definitely can't they can't um, therapize me the way that a professional would. <laughs> I'm like being here with you ladies just encourages me to go get my 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 license as a private uh, counselor. And I'm almost there, but I was thinking about not going because I have a really good career that I love. But the the need is also out there, you know, to be to provide those services for people like us um, that we're not represented a whole lot in a therapeutic settings. So something to think about for me yes absolutely I think you definitely should do it I feel like every time we talk to someone we're like you should do it (laughs) so yeah I think um, that's great uh, and I think one of the things to think about like always always and I always encourage my clients to do this is like if you find a therapist that you're like oh they're bilingual bicultural but you go with them one or two sessions and you're like this is not it for me it's okay to walk away from that relationship I think you got to remember you're the customer at the end of the day. Um, and you could say, you know what, like, I feel like this may not be working out with me uh, or like this. I'm not getting what I feel like I should be getting from therapy. And part of the challenge may be like, OK, like give them maybe like three sessions at least, uh, because a lot of the work happens within the first three sessions. The first session normally is they're asking you questions. We call them an assessment. 
they ask you questions about your upbringing, what things are like for you now, what's the reason that actually brought you to therapy that at that time, they work on your treatment plan and goals. So basically things that you guys are going to be working towards in therapy. Um, and a lot of it is for billable purposes too, but also for you to be able to come up with a plan as to like, what do you want from therapy, right? Because therapy is not just like you go and sit and talk about these things. Yes, I mean, like a lot, it, a lot of it, it is, but you're also working um, and you're on yourself, right? Like finding a lot about yourself. Your therapist may challenge you in ways that may feel uncomfortable, but you also got to remember, like we have to sit in an uncomfortable place in order for us to grow, right? Um, and and part of it is like, if you feel like, okay, uh, this is not working out for me, or I need to take a little bit break from therapy, that's also okay, right? And then like, I think you brought a great point, Sandra, that I think in our in a lot of our communities, there's like a very limited amount of therapists who are bilingual, bicultural, um, or that come from a different background. It's very, very limited, right? So like, sometimes they're unicorns. I mean, if we were in California, we would find like our unicorns everywhere. They wouldn't be unicorns. It would just be like everyone in general. <laughs> but like when we come from states like Oregon or like rural communities, sometimes it may be really hard for us to find a therapist that's bilingual, bicultural, or that can address the things that we feel are important to us, right? So always do your research. Um, and also one of the things to know is that if you want to interview your therapist, if you're like, find someone and you're like, hey, can I, like, I think a lot of therapists offer like 30 minutes, like uh, pre-session. So you can ask them questions. You can ask them about like their clinical orientation. You can ask them about like, how do you, like, do you address trauma? If that's something that's happening in your life and how do you address it? Uh, am I going to be learning skills with you? Is it just talk therapy? I mean, definitely ask the questions that you feel are important to you because that's your money. You got to look at it as like, that's the money that you're investing in yourself. It's like when you're buying like a pair of Jordan <laughs> shoes, you do all this research about like, you know, what they mm -hmm. look like, are they comfortable or like heels, right? Like you buy like all these things. So why not do a research about like someone that's going to be helping you navigate those different difficult spaces in your life or difficult places. What would you recommend for people that don't know what to look for in a therapist? You know, that they, they know that something is off, but they don't know if like the practice of the therapist or whatnot, you know, what, what would you suggest for that? That's a good question. I think like if you for sure are like kind of like in defense about like, I might want to do therapy, but I've got to find someone. You can always go to one of the directories that we listed or that we'll be listing um, or just do a simple search. A lot of like the therapists will have a biography about themselves in their pages. And you could do a little reading about like what they say about themselves and like what the practices are. And like I said, I would say schedule a time with the therapist because a lot of them offer like 30 minutes free where you could just go talk to them and you could just be like, hey, so um, I'm kind of like searching for a therapist. This is what's going on. This is kind of like what I'm looking for. And then ask them questions as if it was an interview, right? Like, um, how do you, uh, you know, like, how does therapy work here? Because a lot of therapists like are very, very different, right? Some really focus on talk therapy. Some are like uh, center, like in skills like DBT, CBT, which that's another big thing. Um, some of them do EMDR. So like where clients are coming with trauma and they're trying to process a big piece of their trauma in their life. It's like I-disestimation movement. So basically it almost feels like they're hypnotizing you, but they're not. <laughs> it's a clinical way where they kind of help you process the traumas that you kind of have been experiencing. 
and focus on that piece of trauma that has happened in your life and help you work through it so that those emotions are attached attached to that traumatic event uh, are like they're not seeing as anything negative anymore. Like you're processing them slowly. So uh, you're not just uh, in a negative space, I guess you could say. Anyway, I, um, I've seen EMDR in a class before. It was wild. Oh, there you so go. you did. It was yeah. similar to what you were saying. Okay. Um, so, I mean, like, you just have to kind of, like, go and meet the person. I mean, I, there was times when I had clients and, like, you know, like, I hit it off with my clients. And there was times with my clients where, like, you know, I don't think, like, you're going to provide anything that is going to be helpful for me. And I would never take it as anything negative because I always saw it as to, like, I'm providing a uh, um uh, you know, space, I'm providing a resource. And if it's something that's not helpful for somebody, I'm not going to have them neg- have a negative experience with me because of my pride, right? Because it's not about me, it's about the client. And also like having in mind that a lot of people who have already accessed therapy have a lot of negative experiences, unfortunately, with their therapist. And my advice is like, don't give up. If you have had a negative experience, maybe that person wasn't, it was not it for you. But just like when we're in relationships, right? We all run into like really horrible relationships and we're not going to give up uh, in those relationships, right? Because of it. Um, so like, we just got to keep trying. And if always you have questions, you can always like, again, do your research, go and look at those directories and kind of see maybe there's someone or something that might offer a service for you that feels right for you. Yeah. I was just curious because I wonder how many people know, like, what kind of therapy they're looking for. Yeah, and also like having in mind that like maybe your insurance may not cover that therapist that you're seeking. Um, you can always chat with the, the therapist and they might offer like a sliding scale. So meaning like they'll look at the income uh, that you have and based on your income, they'll like say like, oh, I can give you a cheaper service for like 50, 60, 70 or whatever, however much they, they feel like may fit your budget. Uh, so always just having that in mind that you can always like look for a different provider that may not be covered by insurance or really advocate with your insurance and be like, hey, there is not therapists in your network that fit what I need. So I need to go from someone outside of, uh, of, of the providers that you offer and, you know, they need to offer that for you as well. So always thinking about those things as well so I have a question for Stella we should have um prepared you before I forgot to tell you this before we started recording but Yessi and I always do the thing that we're obsessed with lately this week whenever and it can be really anything Yessi's very big on shows um so she usually has a favorite show she wants to share with us um it'll all depend for me on what it is but um do you have anything that you can think of off the top of your head that you've been obsessed with lately oh my gosh I'm like the worst tv person because all I watch are like um <laughs> like unsolved mysteries and uh documentaries I am so boring you guys like nothing the only yeah I and think documentaries are great yeah <laughs> well and recently just um Christmas movies, like cheesy Christmas movies. That's my thing. So documentaries Yay. and crime documentaries. So right now um, I'm watching this um, show on, I think it's called Disappeared or something like that. Um, it's on IDTV. So it's 
it's like real cases that happen and they reenact them. And I'm like, Ay, Dios mío, ¿qué estaría pensando ese hombre cuando hizo eso? You know, it's, I don't know why I'm into that. Um, so I put on my, I'll do my documentary when the girls are in, in asleep. And then I, I um, crochet while I do that. So that's what I'm obsessed with. I can't wait for my hand warmers. I forgot <laughs> that you were making those. Yes, I'm working on them. What about you, Sandra? What are you obsessed with this week? I'm going to show you really quickly because it's right here. But um, sorry to my friends that can't see this, but I'm going to show them. So I got one of these for my best friend for her birthday. And then I ordered one. It's called this, a gratitude journal, a day and night reflection journal. And... Um, I, when I was going to like the doctor, well, we know just always going through something with my body. And so she started, she actually told me to write in it too this last week that I went to go see this new doctor, but, um, I've been writing in it lately. Cause it like in the morning you write what, like how you wake up and what you want your day to feel like, and then you put it away and forget about it. And then you pick it back up at night and you talk about your day and it like goes through like your moods, like what you felt. And it's crazy because if you like start out thinking that your day is going to go, and I know right now that's like a big thing, but, um, the whole like manifestation and like, I'm even starting to get like, Oh, I don't want to talk about manifesting because everybody is, but, um, but it, it works. It's like, you know, if I, if I write something down in the morning and that, that's how I want to feel throughout the day, more often than not, even if something, if there's like a little bump or a hiccup in the road, usually my day goes the way that I want it to. And like, if it's like positive and I wake up thankful, um, but that's what I've been obsessed with is just writing all my thoughts and all my feelings down in this cute little journal. That's so I cool. Like I do that at night too. Yeah. I have a journal on my bedside. I think we should link it into the pot in case people want to like grab a gratitude journal or like even you could like just start one on your own. But I like it when it has prompt questions too. Does that one have prompt questions? Uh, it's kind of, so the one you got me, I like because that one brings out my creative side and that one uh -huh. does have prompt questions. This one's more like, like I'll read what it says in the morning meditation. It says today's focus. And then you talk about what you want to focus on that day. Um, you give yourself an affirmation. Um, it, you tell yourself what you're grateful for, what you're excited about today and how you're going to make space for gratitude. And then when you go back to it in the evening, you talk about the good things that happened, things that I did to make a positive difference how you feel, and then a positive thought to carry you to sleep. Hi, Amelia. <laughs> She's so cute. I like that. And then we have a guest uh, appearance by Stella's baby, Amelia. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amelia. they just they just got home from their long drive. <laughs> oh, um, well, I'll share what I'm obsessed with. I'm obsessed with two things. I just finished one. Um, I was watching, I haven't watched the rest of the seasons, but I was watching uh, The Crown with my sister. They just uh, released the new season and that one talks about like the relationship with Diana and um, her husband. Um, so that was a pretty interesting one. Uh, I'm sure a lot of it is fiction, obviously, but I'm sure like a lot of the things are actually pretty accurate. So that was really, really interesting to watch. I'm always interesting about the, interested about the royals and how they live their life. <laughs> um, and another thing, um, it's it's a podcast that I think I was going to bring up last time, but I couldn't get it, couldn't find it. 
pero se llama Cuento Crime Podcast. And is a podcast. Do you follow that podcast, Sue? Okay. No, it's but like, I remember you talking about it. Yeah. So it's a bilingual podcast. And it's like, uh, it's like two girls, I think, I want to say they're from California, um, but they focus on cases or true cases that happen. Like, um, I think oh. most of them, they have been, yeah, I think you would like that share one. Share it with and, me. Yeah, I'll share it with you. I'll send it to you right now. Um, and it's pretty good. I, I think there are a couple episodes in now, uh, but they, uh, they, it's a great, great podcast. It just like highlights what like happens with the crimes and like kind of like go through it all and talk about it. And then at the end, they tell you kind of like what happened. And I like I'm with you, Stella. I love crime shows a lot. Um, so like, you know, like all those shows that come out on Friday night, like 2020, like all those. Uh, yeah, I love 2020. I, I love it. <laughs> I, and, and I get it. Like I like I'm the only one here at home that like watches them. And then my sister will be like, why are you watching that? I'm like, because I love it. I want to, like, I'm always interested about how people are thinking or why are they That's exactly why I watch it. Um, I'm like, why did he do that? Like, what drove right. him? What childhood right. experience? What did he not right. <laughs> Well, and sometimes, too, when, like, you know, you think it's a person that did it and then it's not. And then sometimes I'm like, that was not the person that did it. Like, because everybody, everything points at this person, but it's not. I bet you it was this person. And I'm usually right. <laughs> but I love it. Detective Yesi. Yes. I told my sister, I feel like I could totally go and work for the FBI. <laughs> I wanted to. I'm like, ooh. I know. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm obsessed with this week. Um, but yeah, I think this yeah. was such a great episode in... Thank you, Stella, for coming with us mm. and, and being vulnerable. I know that Got it's on. always so scary to kind of like come in and, you know, we get into our own heads. of like, who's going to listen? What are they going to say? But I think it's it's a great way for others to uh, identify with the things that you were sharing. And um, and hopefully it'll also be helpful for a lot of people that maybe maybe going through the same things and they just need a little extra push uh, seeking supports and whatnot. Yes, thank you for sharing. And thank you for sharing your beautiful little humans with us. They are oh, the greatest. Look at them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We wish you guys could see Amelia. She's up and about and all smiles and trying to pull mom's <laughs> hair because why not? <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us today, everyone. And we hope that you guys. Had a great holiday with your family members and like keeping safe. Um, remember to wash your hands, don't touch your face. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Don't Thanks for having me. Mask up, <laughs> wear your mask for sure. The roadness out there. <laughs> uh, have a good one. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.